episode. Welcome to Save That, the podcast for your big questions, get real answers. My name is Matt King. I'm your host here in the city of Chicago. Joining me here is Glenn Fitzgerald, the president of Mission USA. Well, oh, okay. He's without wifely supervision for the week, so he's a little a little discombobulated. So joining us, Jed Brewer, the director of Mission USA Productions. Yo. Very street. Joining us all the way from Mercury, Tennessee, one of the pastor of Christ Community Church, Lee Younger. Technically, yes. Technically correct, the best kind of correct. Please don't sue me, Matt Graining. <laughs> All right, we have good news to start off the podcast this week. For That's those rare. of you who live in Canada, specifically the Toronto, Ontario area, in the upcoming weeks, you're about to get Uncle Glenn. Oh, yeah. He's going to visit your fair city. Do we have a rough time on when that's going to be, Glenn? Uh, yes. And I should know that. <laughs> um, the uh, it will be somewhere. I'll give you a range, and I'll put it, of course, on. Sure, be on watching UncleGlenn.com for this. Yeah, that's, that sounds like a bit, but there's actually an UncleGlenn.com where he will post this information. Uh, and I don't know if you guys know, but uh, that that blog is uh, it's quite popular. <laughs> wow. You can judge the popularity by how long you got to make throat sounds before you yeah. land on the word. Well, he was waiting. He was waiting for one of us to say it clearly. Yeah. Um, uh, so it will be somewhere between August twenty first and August twenty eighth. We'll okay, so to... late August, Glenn will be in Ontario, in Toronto, Canada, right. doing a little vacationing, a little relaxing, but also yeah. looking to meet some. If anybody's interested in. Having to sit down with Uncle Glenn himself, he would be happy to try to schedule that. Yeah, we're with you. We'll put it on the the blog and do a meetup, kind of like we did in uh, in you London. Did that a couple of cities in England, yeah. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It's yeah. pretty bold of you to go to Canada so openly after calling it an entire nation of liars. And on that Whoa. basis, I declare an emergency. Oh, wow, that's right. Because wait, that, are you are you are you officially invading? Is yes. this like are you provoking them? Yes. It's gonna be surreptitious. Uh it's basically a Nixon goes to China scenario. Okay. <laughs> okay. I'm gonna go it's like okay, let me give you a better analogy. It's like Captain Kirk goes to the Klingons, all right? Now you're speaking my wow. language. You okay. did, however, manage to find an even older analogy. Yeah. You did go from the seventies to the sixties with us there. <laughs> And this is what this is what I'm saying. We're gonna I'm gonna go and we're gonna hash this out, okay? That, because a lot of people said, "Well, you called all Canadians liars on the podcast because they have the audacity to Come take on. what is clearly ham. Come on now, and refer to it as Canadian bacon. Don't yeah. stop. It ain't bacon. Bacon is bacon. Yeah. Say what you got to say. L- l- lie about anything. But don't lie about bacon. Yeah. Okay. That's you just gone too far. That was right like there. that was like a, boot, a blue suede shoe situation right there. I mean, uh, let me just tell you what. What a dude cuffed me one time. He says, "How about turning Muslim?" I said, "You know what? Make me an offer." <laughs> and he's, he says, "All right. First thing, no pork." I said, "I'm going to stop you right there." <laughs> you you just you just lost me, my man. I'm I'm getting off this bus right here. <laughs> That's a bit. That's a bit of an exaggeration, I believe, but it does remind me of a true story Glenn told me about being in the jailhouse, yeah. and some members of the Nation of Islam coming in, yes. getting everybody real fired up. Yeah, you know, turn them all Muslim and rugged, and this, these are not guys who were there every week the way Glenn was. They just kind of came in for a special event, and one of the guys was real fired up about uh, turning Muslim. And what were the two things about that religion that you were guaranteeing they didn't tell him? Well, I, I, I said, uh, did they point out that uh, it, it's all the same do's and don'ts plus no pork? Yes. And the inmate replied, no, they definitely did not point that out. <laughs> and I said, well, now you know. And I believe the verbiage, is the, you told the story to me, was, well, if you, if you want to go to that meeting next week, I'll be happy to walk you over there. However, there's two things I didn't tell you. That's... No sex, no bacon. Yeah. And that's... That's, that's not uh, really the foundation for a happy life. You, you lie about bacon, you know what? You, You're going to reap what you sow. That's that, not a seeker-friendly kind of religion, I don't that, think. No. Uh, you, you, uh, hey, if Allah don't want me having bacon, you know what, Allah? Push on. Okay. Kick rocks. <laughs> okay. I ain't down with that. Okay. You know what I mean? I got to have my bacon. Clearly. 
My body right now is fortified with bacon molecules. Okay. Sure. If you check my bloodstream, about 80% of it is bacon congealing and and melting and oozing about. To the point where this Glenn is so identified with bacon, for those of you new to the podcast, where sometimes on social media people will find things that feature bacon yeah. and just tag Glenn in them. Yeah. Yes, that's Our friend Tim, true. who found the bacon bowl, yeah. and just decided Glenn needs to know about this. And Glenn agreed. Glenn yes. did need to know about that. I, well, I, I did, and I wanted to know, could because it's a bowl yeah, that sure. becomes bacon. Bacon that becomes a bowl-shaped that you put food in, I said, well, could you make bacon in it? Sure. <laughs> well, also, I love how the, the sentence that your body is fortified with bacon molecules, it sounds like one of those, sounds like a, like a, a, a scientifically sounding uh, commercial advertisement from like the 50s. Right, like, exactly. His body is now fortified with 40% bacon molecules. <laughs> exactly right. Ninety percent of doctors recommend Lucky Brand cigarettes. Yeah, it's, you know, yeah. It's uh, uh, so. This is what I'm saying: is you lied about the bacon, right? Okay. So people, and just to be clear, you're holding every Canadian citizen responsible for yes. this. Oh, they're all in on it. They, hey, look, is there a movement afoot that we're not aware of of Canadians rising up and say, "Hey, look, we know it's not bacon. We're sorry." No. Okay. So, but here's what happened. People wrote in to say that worldwide headquarters in our underground bunker, and they said, uh, you know, you got to try to make peace on this thing. You know, you're kicking off the, the, the revolution on it, but, you know, what if they're open to negotiation? So, um, uh, so I'm just, I'm going in deep into enemy territory and right. see, seeing what we can work out. That's well, basically what's happening. I, I have a statement and a question. One, okay. the the statement is people listening to this podcast think that you're just being you're just you know being uh, comical when you make the when you use the phrase underground bunker, but that's actually physically true. That's correct. Uh, the other thing is about to say that headquarters. The other thing is my question is what kind of invasion are we talking about here? Are you going in with like? pitchforks is this like a is this like the crusades or something are you like trying to take back the the holy land like what or, or is this like a full-out modern military offensive let me tell you what i'm going in there to bring forth the maple flavored justice okay okay just raw justice i mean not well, even not like bombs and bullets and stuff just just justice but okay. are they just gonna be like pleasantly polite to you well that's what they're going to try and do that's how they do you know what i mean they, they they'll try and polite it you know back at you because that they're trying to make you feel guilty off that that's, right. a, that's, that's their whole move see how will you know that your invasion has been a success what's what's the thing you're going to judge victory by mm, i think uh a nation in sackcloth and ashes okay you know just, okay just in mourning okay over it because you can't, you can't lie about the bacon. Well, okay. here's a question. You know, like in the United States, there are certain people that if they can prove that they have like Native American heritage, then they can get like, you know, money from the government to pay for, you know, you know, uh, higher education and stuff like that. Right. Depending on certain, uh, you know, percentage of lineage or whatever. Is, are you wanting the uh, the Canadian government to make like financial reparations to you and other bacon lovers? Well, I, I think uh, it's the least they can do. Sure. I think you set up a you know a truth and reconciliation commission. Yeah, we have some hearings. You know, we get some testimony going. Okay, look, I love this bit as much as anyone else. I just need I just feel the need to stop it to point out that in the last five minutes we have mentioned the Crusades, <laughs> the American the American history with its uh, native population, and now Glenn just brought apartheid into it. It's good, and yeah. we're going pretty dark this week. And Lee's the one instigating it, which really confuses Whoa. me. I, you're the one who mentioned both, will this be a crusade or a war, as if those are the only options. And then, you know, in America, they give financial reparations to the Native Americans. Are any of those things reasons. untrue, Matt? Are any of no, those things untrue? No, but I'd like to go 10 minutes on this podcast without bringing up genocide. But you know what? <laughs> it just inspired me. Legalistic Jed would like to weigh in for a second. Would oh, that be fantastic. okay? And now, because I, I feel like... Canada is tearing us apart. It is. And now, a special comment from Legalistic Jed. Um, Lee, I've been been listening to the things that uh, you've had to say, and um, 
You know, you're right. The the things that you brought up, they they are true. That's that's factual. No one no one can debate that. The, the question, Lee, that I'd have you uh, ponder about and really search your heart about uh, is: Are they helpful? Are <laughs> they uplifting? Do you feel like you've edified your brothers? Oh, there it is. By bringing up these so-called truths, sure. They're true. Many things are true. But I want to know, Lee, is this coming from a place of a desire for edification, or is it coming from a place of desiring only to puff yourself up with a demonstration of your superior knowledge? Once again, legalistic gent, too creepy <laughs> and too true too real. to be funny. Yeah. Well, the, the foundation real. of that is the truest part of the legalistic theater is, oh, sure, that thing you said is true, but have you thought about how it makes me feel? <laughs> You thought about how it affects my white middle class male feelings, have you? I know the whole time that he's doing legalistic Jed, my skin's crawling, and I'm just like, can I convince him to do Oxford Jed? Oh Would yeah, that do, be possible do you? Right oh now? yeah. See, folks, you gotta go deep. Lee grew up in a Southern Baptist church, so as creepy <laughs> oh, yeah. as this for the rest of us, he's going back. It was yeah. too close to home, deep. man. Too. I, I, in my if head, only I had gone visions. on for an hour and a half. <laughs> this is no lie. In my head, I saw visions of people with, like a handbell choir. Yeah. And yeah, I mean, yeah. it was it, it was getting bad in here, man. Yeah, yeah. No, that's I just like to ruin things. Yeah. That's really my spiritual gift. This is uh, you know you just say Canada, and this is what happens, everybody. Sure, we're all at each other's throats, and you know uh, it's you know it's like the Klingons all over again. Okay, <laughs> so what we've got to do is I'm going to go in there with justice on my side, right. And we're, I'm gonna have, and we're gonna get some justice going. The vision I have in my head, kind of a la Ricky Bobby, is Glenn with a dude in an arm lock over a table, shouting at him, "Call it ham! Call right. it ham!" You know, that's. I think that's basically what we're gonna be. Okay. I'm but just if going, you just say really thin pancakes, that seems like a fair compromise. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I mean, we we're gonna we're gonna hash this out until we're on the same page, because we can't have this static. You know, we can't have all this friction. You know, it's gonna. That's gonna. That's gonna cause problems long term, because uh, like all Americans, I assume will eventually annex Canada. Absolutely. Uh, so, <laughs> Matt, I almost said manifest destiny, but then I just felt you judging me. <laughs> Not so much me as the uh, the string of bodies and shattered lives. Wow! <laughs> dang! <laughs> wow! Yeah, there's that guilt trip. That there's legalistic quick. Matt, dude. Yeah, 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 yeah. You know, he's got some hidden talents for well, legalism. Just, you, you have to sit around sometimes, as we do up here, and say, am I really feeling the weight of being white? Because uh, <laughs> I don't feel like we're getting a little fast and loose that sometimes. Yeah, and, uh, yeah, yeah. Mm. yeah I if think, there's something worth feeling bad about, let's be honest. Yeah. No, I, I, I think uh, <clears throat> the, the, the one thing that brings us back to reality is... You just you can't lie about bacon. Preach. That that is a bottom line issue, and uh, I so I you know hey look you know you notice if you pay attention nobody else is going to to Canada to work this out. Exactly right. So I guess what it's I you know it's up to me. Yeah, that's you know you're a lone crusader for justice. Apparently, they, no, I'm just gonna have to go take care of that. Yeah. So uh, you're I, like the Frank Sinatra. Of the uh, bacon ham dispute, you just go solve things. <laughs> um, I, I'm gonna need you to unpack that analogy, well, Jed. Once again, uh, you know, none of us knows what Jed's talking about, and, and we're all pretty sure that he's seen some movie and you know, strung something together. I mean, I'm not a very as, poorly misunderstood. I'm not as into World War II as some people. I don't think that's what Ocean's Eleven was about. Yeah. Was, did Frank Sinatra have a celebrated diplomatic career? I'm not aware of. <laughs> well, anyway. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's good, Chad. Just abandon Just ship. throw that that's out good. there. On that basis, I quickly declare emergency off. <laughs> That's going to get pinned on me somehow. Yeah. <laughs> you know, sometimes I, I listen, to, I think I could think through the emergency segment and say, well, it was funny. It wasn't particularly helpful, but at least we didn't make anyone dumber. <laughs> I'm not sure that can be said for that emergency segment. <laughs> Somebody, you know, people listen to this and they're walking around. They don't hear every word. So some of it just buries in there. And some kid is going to be taken as 
uh, Western Civ <laughs> final. And <laughs> hey, there's going to be something about the Klingons Pri- in there. Name yeah. the British Prime Minister who brokered the deal, declared peace in our time. Uh, it started with an S. Uh, uh, Frank Sinatra, that's yeah. it. Yeah. <laughs> it's Herbie Hancock. <laughs> For those of you who really needed an early 90s Chris Farley joke, obliquely made. Uh, you know what brings the people together? You know what brings together the city of Chicago, Glen, and the fair city of Toronto, Canada? That's Bridgebox. Ooh, nice. We have many lovely subscribers in Toronto. Actually, it's one of our bigger cities, which is an odd, odd happenstance. We do have a, 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 a decent number of uh, subscribers in, in Toronto. And this is also actually a true fact. We have an inordinate, I have an inordinately large number of followers on my blog that are vegan. That's, okay. That is a that is an actual fact. That is a little odd. Is that connected to Toronto or just as a separate? Well, the note? the whole. Bacon Remember when thing. we just did fifteen minutes on bacon, Jed? Yeah. Vegan ba- bacon. <laughs> putting that together. Not really. I'm not so, tracking. Okay. <laughs> <sighs> Jed is currently googling Frank Sinatra. <laughs> the world's most famous vegan, Frank Sinatra, once said. <laughs> Do you know who Frank Sinatra is? It's possible Jed thinks that that he was in Star Wars or something, I think. No, like for serious, Frank Sinatra had a reputation for basically being kind of a bad dude and um, kind of solving problems, having people killed, that kind of thing. Like there's a conflict. He's just going to go solve it. He's going to take care of the issue. That that was the the thing I was drawing on with you going to Canada. You're just going to solve the problem. I, I see. So. Okay. You, weren't, fixed. you weren't confused that Frank Sinatra had some kind of international diplomatic Kissinger-like career. No, I, I, okay, good. I, I was referring to the fact that he pretty much had people killed. So Okay, well, that's happy. I'm glad, yeah, we, so I'm glad we went back for that. You, you're, you're saying his, his motto is, there, if there's a problem, yo, I'll, I'll solve, solve it. it. Exactly right. That, that's a line from a very famous Frank Sinatra song. <laughs> you know, if we didn't say enough to make people angry... <laughs> when we talked about Islam and the Crusades and genocide, apartheid, and veganism, Trail of Tears, I think the thing that's going to anger the most people, or if we have a certain kind of listener, is that we just conflated Frank Sinatra and Vanilla Ice. And there are certain cities in Jersey where that's a hangable offense. <laughs> So I'd like to go back to doing the plug now, if that's all right with everyone. Yeah, sure. We were so close to the wisdom right and there. It started out as a pretty smooth segue, but that's been shot all to crap. So now I'll just say, please sign up for Bridgebox. Yeah, it's you're welcome. It's nice. You get nice things. It's cheap, and the money goes to help ministry. $8 a month, missionusa.com slash Bridgebox. If you want some extra Lee Younger flavor, missionusa.com slash BBLY. Now this. <laughs> First question comes in. Anonymously to our Tumblr inbox. You hang on this all the way to the end. I'll give you some ways you can write a question. So maybe the emergency segments gets cut off early if you have good questions. And wouldn't that be good for us all? <laughs> First question says, <laughs> how do you be still? In one of the last podcasts, you mentioned how in a devotion you can be as honest as you should be as you should. And then be still for five minutes. How do you stop yourself from thinking? Are you waiting for something to happen? Any tips on being still? Thank you. Jed, can you start us off? Yeah, I can. Absolutely. And it's a great question. I'm really, really glad that you uh, wrote us and asked about this. So think about being at a concert, you know, just a, a big, loud, kind of rock, rap, whatever, doesn't matter, but just a really big, loud concert. And think about the fact that your friends that you're there with, if they want to say something to you, they have to get right up in your ear and shout as loud as they can um, in order for you to hear them. And even then, you can kind of barely make out what they're saying if you're at a really, really loud concert. And I bet you know exactly what I'm talking about. I bet you've been into a concert just like that. Well, here's... I bring that up for two reasons. The first is, for most of us, our brain, our thoughts, it's like being at a super loud concert all the time. There's just loud stuff going on in our head. Things that we're concerned about, things that we're afraid about, things that we're excited about, things that we're uh, passionate about. But just a lot of really loud stuff going on in our brain all the time. Now imagine for a second that in your brain, in kind of that stew of your thoughts, that God's spirit is, is in that mix trying to to say something to you, trying to tell you something, trying to, to, to you know, uh, uh, speak something into your ear. But the thing about God's spirit is 
he doesn't shout. When we read the Bible, right. uh, what, what we see is the idea that God speaks in a still, small voice. So if God doesn't shout, and, and he actually really doesn't, then that means the only way to hear him is to turn down the volume level of everything else. And that's actually what we're talking about with being still, is figuring out how do I crank this volume down so that I can hear the things that the Spirit of the Lord is trying to say to me. So with that in mind, practically speaking, how do we do that? Well, a lot of it is about expressing things in some form so that we can, for a few minutes, set them aside. I'll give you an example of what I mean. Let's say that you have a person that you're thinking of asking out, and you're really excited about it, but you're also kind of afraid about it. You're excited because it'd be amazing if they said yes, but you're kind of afraid because what if they say no, and what do I do? But they're so dreamy, and I don't know, and besides, and so forth. Well, you could go into your prayer time and say, I really want to connect with the Lord. I really want to try and, and hear what the Lord's trying to tell me about different issues in my life, but I'm super, super distracted with my thoughts about this dreamy person that I'm thinking of asking out. That's fine. We've all been there. There's no problem. There's nothing bad or sinful going on. The right way to handle that, though, is to say, I'm going to, maybe I'm going to write it down in a journal. Maybe I'm just going to tell God about it in prayer, but I'm going to express out everything that I'm thinking and feeling about this situation with this person I'm thinking of asking out. I'm going to get it all out on the table so that I can take a deep breath and kind of set it aside for a few minutes. And I'm going to do that with kind of the, the three or four top things that are wearing on me, that even if it's not bad stuff, but just stuff that's loud in my head. I'm, going to, I'm trying to turn down the volume, so I'm just trying to find things that are loud in my head so I can turn them down and set them aside for a few minutes. And then, once I've done that, it's about going to the Lord... And I think it's really best to start with more specific stuff, um, uh, but asking the Lord to give you guidance, to give you wisdom on a particular thing, and then being still in that moment where we've turned the volume down and waiting uh, expectantly on an answer uh, from him. And maybe maybe we hear something, maybe we don't. That's okay. Yes, are you waiting for something to happen? What I would say to you is do that work to turn the volume down, ask the Lord for wisdom, be still for a couple minutes and see what comes to mind to you. That's really the key thing. You, you're never going to stop thinking, so it's really more about in that quiet moment, see, pay attention to the thoughts that come to mind to you in that moment. Write them down and repeat that process over a week as you're seeking wisdom from the Lord on something. Um, see if there's a, a pattern that begins to emerge when the things that, that come to mind to you in that moment of stillness, when you've turned the volume down on all that other stuff. I bet what you'll begin to find is that um, uh, uh, there's a consistency to what a occurs to you in those moments, and I bet if you look at it closely, you might find that the Lord is, is beginning to, to speak to you in those moments of stillness. Absolutely. Len? Yeah, I think the, the key, as, as Jed is saying here, the key is to you know, tune out all these other things in order to, to hear the Lord's voice. You know, what's funny is uh, I, I hear a certain number of people uh, or, and talk with people who say, I, I have trouble hearing the Lord's voice, but I ask them, do you have trouble hearing the enemy's voice and the kind of things yeah. the enemy's trying to sell you on? They're, they're always kind of quiet for a moment, like, you know, hmm, I don't know. And then like, oh, wait, no, yeah, yeah. I, I, I get I that hear loud, him loud and clear. Yeah, that's loud and clear a lot, you know. So um, what you're able to do is to determine uh, some of these thoughts are my thoughts, some of these thoughts are the enemy, where he's sort of tempting me to, to think in certain ways. Yeah. And it's easy to kind of sort out which ones are really from the enemy, because they have such a... Well, they always come in on the, sort of a, a similar note. It's always, you're not yeah. good enough. That's right. You know, nobody will want you. It's always doom. You know, you, you'll never do this. This will never happen. It Be will afraid never, of this. Be afraid. This this situation that sucks right now will be this forever. It'll mm -hmm. never be something different. All those kind of things. You, you hear that just sort of consistently, and you can sort of pick that out and say, "Okay, that's I know where that's coming from." It sticks because 
part of it, there's a el- small element of that that's true or there or it has some sort of an emotional resonance yeah. with you or something yeah, like that. Yeah. So it's hard to get rid of sometimes. But that's not what we're talking about here. We're just talking about detecting where this is coming from. Mm-hmm. So if we can detect, some of these thoughts are just my thoughts, my own little weird thoughts and things that I run around in my head. Some of these things are thoughts that the enemy kind of puts in my head and, and works on. But we, we also need to recognize, of course, the Lord is in that process and giving us thoughts. And if we think about it, there's plenty of things that we think that are really good and highly evolved things where it's like, you know, I should be more patient or, or I, I should just forgive that person. I, I, I'd feel more at peace if I did. And you look back in sort of retrospect and say, you know, that's not really like me. That's The Lord put that on my heart. You know? I should give that dude a call. I bet he's having a rough time. Yeah, stuff like that. You, the, the Lord gives you stuff all the time, and you, you kind of know it, but you're, you're maybe not just paying attention to that necessarily. So part of what we're talking about with listening and prayer is being intentional about sorting all that yeah, out. Yeah. Here's the thing. Uh, it, Jesus said, my sheep uh, know the sound of my voice. Mm-hmm. It was a part of the New Testament. He says, I'm, I'm the good shepherd for the sheep. And uh, my sheep recognize the, the sound of my voice when I call them, when I talk to them. They follow me because they recognize that voice. Now, a stranger will come along and try and get th- them to follow him, but they won't follow him because they, they, that's a, th- it's a difference there, and mm-hmm. they sense the difference between those two voices. Uh, this is what he's talking about, that the, the, he, we should get to know the sound of his voice in our own thought life, that it, the more that we uh, tune in and, and pay attention to God and what he's saying to us in that prayer time, the more we're able to sort of consistently pick that out. Mm-hmm. And let me tell you, the main thing that you should be doing to enhance this is to get your Bible— uh, get a, if you've if you've had a lot of Bible shoved down your throat, get a translation that's different from the right. one that was shoved down your throat. Uh, if you don't know a lot of Bible, get a trans, Bible translation that's easy for you to read, where you understand all the words. But get that Bible and just read it for yourself. Uh, start with the Gospels. Uh, start with the Book of Hebrew, uh, uh, the uh, Book of Romans, uh, and just deal with the basics in that stuff. But what you're going to want to do is get a sense of God's character. Yeah, yeah, right? yeah. Listen, pay attention yeah. to the kind of character. When, when Jesus said, I am gentle and humble of heart. Mm-hmm, when Jesus mm-hmm. says, I came to seek and save the lost. When he says, you know, uh, that, uh, you know, neither do I condemn you, you know, to, to the woman caught in adultery. All these things, when, when there's... We, we pay attention to the way he responds to things because what you're going to do is get a sound a, a sense of the sound of his voice mm-hmm. you know you, there's a there's a character there so when i hear that voice in my head it will click with what i've read in scripture and then i got a sense of it, and then i'm on to it so that because that the process is sort of filtering out which of this is the enemy which is me and which is the lord becomes a lot easier with with yeah. practice you know so I, I, that's what i would say on that that's on point lee well, i love where these guys have been going on this thing and 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 uh there, there's not a whole lot to add to that the only thing that i would say in my own experience of of talking with people and counseling people and helping people see because a lot of times the job of a pastor is to listen to people in the middle of their struggles and problems and to help them hear what the Lord is already probably saying to them yeah and help them to understand what the Spirit of God is 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 already wanting to to get at with them and here's the thing that I've found a ton of times is what I'll do is I'll do exactly like when I'm listening to somebody in a counseling type situation, I'll kind of ask the questions that 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 bring to the surface some of these things that these guys have already talked about. So, what do we know for a fact is is not from God because it stinks of the enemy? What's the stuff that smells like sulfur? Now let's bring that out into the light and get it out of the way, and then. What is the stuff that's just my own insecurities and my own weird kind of whatever thoughts? Can we determine what that stuff is and get it out of the way? And then, y'all, the weirdest thing happens. Once we get down to 
what might the Lord actually want for you and how might the Lord actually see you? This happens, I mean, almost 10 out of 10 times when I'm trying to help somebody work through a thing. If I tell them, well, you know, the thing that Jesus would want you to know is that he really is pleased with you. He really loves you. And they would say, not me, man. I, I just I just don't believe that's true. Yeah. Here's the weird thing. If we were to actually get in an audible voice from the Lord what he thinks about you today and what he wants for you and the kind of, you know, somebody struggling with, with lust or porn and stuff like that, and, and what they assume is that Jesus wants to you know you know wants them to feel terrible about that and 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 if i was to say to, to this person you know what one thing that Jesus might say to you based on the book of Hebrews chapter 4 exactly what Glenn's saying i mean he went through every type of temptation that you've been through you know uh, one thing that i think that Jesus would be saying to you is hey man i understand why yeah. you feel the way yeah. you do. Yeah. It, it makes perfect sense that you have those lustful desires and passions. It makes perfect sense that sometimes it's the only thing that you can think about. D- what do you think about the fact that Jesus might be saying that to you right now? And they would say, I just, I just can't believe that. <laughs> I just can't believe that Jesus would, would say that. Or I can't believe that Jesus sees me in the light that you're saying. Well, you know, uh, the way that everybody else feels about you and your life is that is that we all just think you're amazing. And you encourage the crap out of everybody that you come into contact with. And mo- most of us, we're just glad that, you, that you're in the room when you're there because you just make everybody's day better. And they're like, no, 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 I, ca- I can't hear myself that way. I, I say all of that to say this. What if you do all these things that Jed and Glenn are talking about, and you get to a place where you're learning how to, to, to turn down the volume of, of all the distractions, and you're learning how to, to recognize what is the voice of the enemy, what is the voice of my own insecurities and weirdness and, and all that kind of just the radio static in my own head, and then what is the voice of the Lord based on his character in the scriptures, and then what if you get all the way down to, to that thing, you're really learning how to tune in the radio, you hear the voice of Jesus, and you're still not ready to believe it. Bam. You're still not ready to accept it because you he cannot possibly feel that way about you. He cannot possibly have gifted you the way that he did. He can't possibly love you that unbelievable. He can't possibly have that kind of unlimited patience for you. He can't possibly take you back again and again and again after the same old thing. I think that one thing that we want to do is as we start to learn how to turn down these distractions, as we start to learn how to, to understand and, and discern the character of Jesus versus the character of the enemy, and like Glenn's saying, say Satan, he, he's only got two or three tricks. It's the same old crap every single time. Yeah. As we start to learn to do that stuff, one thing that we want to be asking and praying about is, Jesus, will you help me get ready to receive the stuff that you're going to whisper to me? Will you help me get ready to believe this? My question is, do you want to be loved with the ferocity of the love that's coming your way in that still small voice? Because it will surprise you. He is more generous, more tender, more unbelievably Say fun. that. Say he that. is more unbelievably patient than, than you could possibly imagine. And the question is, are you ready to, to receive that? If you heard the voice of Jesus right now, would you be able to handle the weight of affection that is coming your way? Because I think that's one of the big things, as I've pastored and counseled people, is they once they see the truth of how Jesus feels about them, it's like I, I'm I can't even let that in the gate. Yeah, I just don't I just don't believe that's true. And so as as we start to learn how to tune the radio on this thing, let's just pray that 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 we would get to the place where we're ready to receive the kind of mercy and affection and love that 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 He wants to just dump into our hearts all day long. That's absolutely great stuff. One thing I'll tack on the end here is you're not going to get good at being still at from the jump you're not going to get five minutes of stillness yeah. first time you try out for yep. it you're going to get more like a grand total of uh, 30 seconds of stillness first time you try it out that's okay it's fine you'll get better at that you'll get better at kind of get into that state and it may not entirely always look like not having any thoughts but you can you know do a little deep breathing and just relax and that'll actually get you a lot way a uh, long way towards where you're trying to go one thing that's important to not to do is not to turn this into one more kind of achievement <laughs> thing yes. so that you have failed at stillness yeah. and you need a stillness tutor and all this stuff. That's that's not really going to help you towards the larger aim. 
adding stressors when you're trying to relax is doing right. relaxation bad. Yeah. So just try it. Whatever progress you make is just fine for right now. All right, we're going to move on to our next question here. Came in anonymously. It says, is it better to die young? Okay. Okay, starting off strong there. I see my Asian grandparents. They just watch TV, waste away, and can barely chew their food. I think about the pain they will go through in the hospital as they deteriorate. I'm wondering if it's better to die when you're still young. That way, people remember you in your prime. You don't have to watch your friends and loved ones die or watch yourself waste away. What are your thoughts? All I see is the meaningless of life. Meaninglessness of life. Jed, you got something to start us off with? Glenn's going to start us off with this, but I just want to be clear. I think we're going to be poking fun at this person a little bit. I want to be clear. This was me 10 years ago. Oh, yeah. I want to be right. clear about there's that. A, there's a moment of humility right there. From the oh, get-go. Yeah. We, we, all had, we all had moments where we were trying to be yes. deep. Yeah, well, it, this is this is all of us at a certain stage of life, and and on that basis, I feel you. I, I absolutely feel you. I, I I know exactly. This is your this is your brain lying to you. Yeah, this is you know, um, but you know, uh, the, for sure, I'm old, and everything's falling apart on me. And that that Glenn is the body ages. I I, I complain all the time about being old so so i i'm on i'm i'm all the way around on the other end of it i i started on your end now i'm on the other end gripes um, giving is really every day for glenn that's really so true <laughs> so here's the thing is um but there there is a, a a certain element of this that i think you're seeing that i think is true and that is worth pulling out of this question and i think that the, it it's that if your life is pointed in a sucky direction, yeah. it's going to keep sucking, and it's not going to get better, and it could easily get worse, and your life could be pretty much meaningless. That's a that's a that's a very real possibility. That's great, Glenn. Tell me more. <laughs> <laughs> this happens quite a little bit. I mean. Uh, so it's really about what are we choosing in life? I mean, that's the yeah. big question that you're facing. And you're right. You have seen a lot of people who have chosen to have a life that is essentially meaningless, that it, it's got nothing to it. Nothing's going on. They're breathing air and paying rent and whatever else, but they're they're not making a difference in some sort of way. Now, uh, the, by contrast, there are millions and millions of people around the world that um, find a way to have a deep and transcendent meaning to their life. And that does that is not necessarily what they do with their career. Yeah. Uh, it could be in the way that they raise their kids. It could be something that they do artistically. It could be something they, they do in a research laboratory to cure a disease. It could be, you know, digging wells in a third world country. It could be a million different things. But you're right. If you don't choose a meaningful direction and head in it, your life will suck and you will wish you were dead. Yes. That's true. <laughs> Retweet. I mean, I mean, it is. That, that, that's your, you're actually right about that, you know. And to jump on that, you won't have to wait for your 50s or 60s to feel yeah. that way. Oh, yeah. That will kick in immediately. Yes, that's, that's absolutely true. Uh, the 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 thing about the fellows on this podcast that make us different that we're giving you sort of a, a unique... is we say things like that out loud. <laughs> yeah, exactly right. <laughs> um, the thing that makes us different is we start off by saying, "What would be the most awesome thing in the universe to do for 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 ourselves?" You know, that would be the the ultimate of the ultimate. That would be just getting away with it. And then that's what we do, each of us, for a living. Now, you'll notice there are certain trade-offs. For example, none of us is getting rich, you know. Uh, you know, n none or of us... even not broke. Yeah. Um, but that's that's a concession we knew going into it. We made that, that trade-off early on. And here's what I need to tell you about my life. My life gets better every year because yeah. of that. It's because of that choice and sticking with it through incredibly hard times, through incredibly difficult times. Uh, uh, we've faced every different kind of challenge you could possibly imagine, and the Lord's taken us through things in order to test us and 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 knock off those rough edges. And you know, you hear us talk about faith, and you hear us talk about prayer. 
We have we have been <laughs> dipped in it and drugged <laughs> through it, baby girl. We know about that stuff. Uh, but it's uh, it, when we overcome that, we get to a place where it is super awesome. I cannot tell you how much better my job is than everyone else's job on the planet. I mean, it is great. Now, again, I don't get paid a lot, and I don't care about that. There's a lot of people who don't care about that uh, in the world and whatever. But all of us know people who said, here's what would make me super, super happy, but I just don't feel like there's a job security in that. I don't feel like that would be the thing for me. I feel like I need to whatever, whatever. And they don't pursue that as a career, and then they don't pursue it as a hobby, and they don't pursue it in the way they live their lives or the way they spend their money or the way they raise their kids or anything else. And it just, for whatever reason, they keep not finding that. And their life gets worse as it goes along. Just a very super quick example. As I'm thinking about all this, I'm thinking about a pastor we know. I won't mention his name to to kind of uh, uh, preserve his anonymity, but... Uh, hands down the best pastor, uh, best preacher I have ever heard preach a sermon. I mean, this guy, and number two's a ways back from this dude, from me personally, just to my taste. Uh, Amazing guy. Uh, He's here in Chicago. Uh, We've known him for years and years. And the thing is, he's gotten, you know, up there in years, and he's starting to kind of lose uh, his memory, and he's he's starting to to kind of uh, not be aware of what's going on and stuff. Uh, but I will go visit him, and I'll sit down with him, and you know, every now and then he'll kind of perk up, and he'll say something that completely rocks my world and is incredible, and he knows that he did that. You know, I give him the look like, oh, wait a second, that changes everything, <laughs> and he knows he did, and he's happy with it. This same guy goes to church, and I'm trying to tell you, you can swing, this is a fact, you can swing a dead cat in that church and hit somebody. They can out-preach anyone you've ever heard. Yeah. I mean, everyone in that church can preach because he's raised them up, he's loved them, he's been there for them. He's, he's, he can go to that church and he can sit and watch two or three or four generations of people he, where he's preached to them, they've preached to another and brought them to the Lord. Those people have brought someone else to the Lord, and so forth. He can see his legacy. He can see what he's done. It is so impressive. It is so amazing. Every day, that impact gets bigger and bigger. Every day, his life gets better and better. So I think it's about choosing that direction your life is heading in. Absolutely. Lee? Well, I love what Glenn said on this thing, and 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 there's not a ton to add to it because he's he's just spot on on all this stuff. The, the one thing that I would the one thing that the direction I would take on this is that you were made for something. Yeah. That the God of the universe, the one who invented the laws of thermodynamics and set everything in motion, he made you individually for something. Now, here's the cool thing about this is, well, I'll say the sad part about this first. He made every single person for something. Some people did not care to find out that thing, or they, they replaced that thing with something else. And so they are just kind of plagued with, like you say, the meaninglessness of life, and they're bored, and, they're, and, and they, just, they just don't have anything to live for. And so what happens is, basically, everybody is being kind of chased by this shadow that creeps over that says, oh, my life doesn't mean anything, and I, and I hate the way this feels. And so they try to replace that feeling with something else, whether it's money or influence or popularity, or you, the thing that you see in like TV shows and, and movies and stuff is just family, man. Family is everything. Yeah. You know, and it's just, as long as I have my, my grandkids around me, then my life had meaning. Well, that's not necessarily true. I mean, that's great that you have grandkids and everything. And if you love people well... But what if they're jerks? Yeah, they're, yeah, exactly. It's like, if you love people well, there's something in that. But the fact is that the God of the universe made you for something. Now, if you love Jesus and you have... My, my guess is that if you haven't found exactly what that thing is, that there have been times here and there where you've stumbled across it. You did something. Jesus called you into something or he led you into a situation. You, 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 you kind of hit a tripwire. You stumbled into something that you, you got warm. You, know? you, you got close to the thing that he made you for. You didn't know it. But when that happened, the fire lit. 
I mean, inside your brain, all yep. of the synapses fired at once, and in not in an arrogant way, and and you didn't even have to tell anybody. You didn't even care if anybody knew it. If it was, if the only people that saw that thing that happened that you did in that moment was you and Almighty God, the fire lit in your brain, and you thought, "Holy crap, that was awesome! I loved it, and by God, I was good at it." Yeah. Yeah. Now, here's the cool thing about that. My guess is that at some point you've gotten warm on that. You've kind of hit the tripwire on some little thing and you felt like that was awesome. What I would say to you is pray about that every day and chase that feeling down. Chase it down. Chase it down and ask Jesus, how do I get more of that? And how do I get closer on that? Find somebody that knows you, that, that knows ministry, and can talk you through some strategy on how to, how to hone in what that thing is. And ask people that love you, people that are older than you in the Lord, or people that are younger than you, than you in the Lord, what is it that you see in me? What do you think, what do you think I bring to the table as far as the kingdom of God? And, and see if you can triangulate a, a position on what, you know, what people see in you versus that thing that really lights the fire for you and see if you can find it. What I can tell you is that even people that are super duper old who have found the thing that Jesus made them for, I mean, they're doing that. They're still, even if they're just ancient and wrinkled and really, you know, all just totally falling apart, they're still wearing out the kingdom of God. They're still just building it and being awesome. I'm reading a book right now that is, um, it's the it's the collected letters of John Newton, who's the guy that wrote the hymn "Amazing Grace." I'm sure you've heard of that that song if you haven't heard of John Newton. And all of these letters were he he was just a he was a small town pastor in a village called Olney in England over 250 years ago or 230 years ago. And most of these letters were written when when he was in his 70s and 80s. Right. And he wasn't traveling as much. He he was still preaching and that kind of stuff, still doing funerals and whatnot. But these letters are amazing. And the stuff that he says and the way that he's able to to talk about the love of Jesus, the way that he's able to talk with honesty about his own struggles and his own growth and stuff like that, this guy was crushing the ball in his 80s because he was made to do this thing. He was made to do this. And what I would say is that's what you want to do. You want to chase that down. You want to find that thing that Jesus made you for. See if you can see if you can triangulate that position, and uh, and just get more and more of it. And it may lead into a full time ministry. It may lead into a ministry you do once a week or something like that. Whatever it is, find what he made you to do because he made you to do something, and that's what's going to bring that joy and that passion that Glenn that you hear Glenn talking about when he talks about his life and and, and all of us when we talk about our ministry and our life. Fantastic point, Jed. Uh, well, let me tell you about my story for a second. Um, uh, uh, Lee is absolutely right. There are those moments where you you do something, and go, man, that's that's me. And for me, um, that happened actually a lot uh, when I was in high school and I discovered music. Um, I was uh, playing in rock bands and writing songs and doing that, and um, uh, it. It felt like being high on steroids to do that stuff. I mean, every neuron in my brain was firing. This is what you were made to do. This is this is it. And I promptly ignored that and went away to college and studied engineering. Um, and um, uh, I can't put into words for you how miserable and unhappy I was for a very, very long period of my life. Um, I wasn't kidding at the start of this question when I said, you know, many years ago, what you're describing was my perspective. When when Glenn met me, that's exactly what I thought about life is it's all meaningless. It's all nonsense. It's all pointless. Uh, and I'm not joking about that. That's exactly where I was. Um, and um uh, and slowly I, I started getting involved with things that, that mattered and um, slowly I, I, you know, I got into doing some, some music again and then I began to discover with a lot of help from Glenn that I could take music which was this thing that um, just brought me to life and I could use it to help alleviate other people's suffering um, and that if I could do that all of a sudden um i kind of had everything i'd ever wanted in life all in one go let me explain how that relates to you because it's really important i think as i read your question i think you're mad at suffering 
I think you're angry at it. I think you look at the suffering and the awfulness that people go through and you think it's unfair, you think it's unjust, you think it's wrong, and I think you were made to do something about it. And I don't think you will ever be satisfied until you are doing something about it. I suggest that's true because it's 100% true for me. I promise you, I can't live a happy life where I'm not directly trying to address other people's suffering. It's not, it's not possible for me. If you can take the burden for justice and, and for alleviating suffering that I think God has put in your heart and combine that with the talents and abilities that he's given you, you will never regret a day of your life. I promise it. I guarantee it. But I think that's the journey that's before you is figuring out, like Lee was describing, what are those things that God's gifted you to do that bring you to life when you do them? And how can you use those to fight for justice for the disenfranchised, uh, to fight for mercy for the afflicted, to fight for people who don't have any rights and see their suffering alleviated? I think if you can bring those two things together, uh, your perspective on your life will do a complete 180 in a way that right now would seem impossible. That's all great stuff. A couple real quick things I would throw on the end here. Um, as I, I jokingly mentioned when we were starting the segment, it is kind of true. This is your brain telling you lies, which is what happens when you have certain brain chemistry or when you're going through a traumatic event, like, say, watching your grandparent die. Yeah. You kind of start to get stuck in one very small thing. And what part of that is only being able to see a very small sliver of the way things are. Now, you mentioned in this. Um, this question, and all these guys have done a very good job of not poking fun at you, which we mentioned might have the end, and I'm about to break that streak because you mentioned, Woo! wouldn't it be great to pass away when you're young? And again, I, this is based on my own experience, as Jeff was talking about, I assume you're in your late teens or early 20s he's writing this question. Wouldn't it be great to leave now so people remember me in my prime? This is not your prime. <laughs> Holy crap. That's the saddest thing I've ever heard in yeah. life. Yeah. Every week, I deal with, as we've talked about in previous episodes, every week we all deal with people who are chronically homeless and on drugs <laughs> and gang members, and someone who thinks high school was their prime is the saddest thing I've ever heard in my life. <laughs> That's so true. Now, That's it really feels true. like it because you're all young and full of piss and vinegar, and you know, you're very, you know, you're very energy and you know, you're prettier and all that stuff, but that's not your prime. Holy Lord. Yeah, most people that I work with come to me later in their 20s and they just apologize for <laughs> yeah, just, our entire relationship. They're just like, I I'm so sorry for the person I was the entire time you've known me. <laughs> yeah, just open with the apology is the smart way to go. But And also in that, part of what may help this is, have you sat down and talked to your grandparents about whether or not they feel like they're massively something? They may be. They may be going through a horrible medical condition or something, and that's awful, and we'll keep them in prayer, and that's not cool. But I bet... You couldn't pay them any amount of money to be 19 again because yeah. I'm only 29 and there's no amount of money you could pay me to be 19 again. In fact, if you mentioned me being 19 again, I might just punch you in the mouth because holy <laughs> crap, we don't need to do that. Yeah. You know, it's, it's life is you do, you know, gravity takes over and you get sore and achy and hard, but it's pretty awesome. You know, we there are cheeseburgers. Totally. There's cheeseburgers and there's stories and there's, you know, places you'll see and people to influence these guys are talking about. And you'll just, if you just keep going, things tend to get better. There's an old saying, and this is this is going to go a little bit dramatic here, but this question did come in on Tumblr, so I feel, I feel licensed to be a little dramatic when answering things that came in on Tumblr. And we're going to take this to its logical extent. There's an old, there's a saying that's become pretty popular now about suicide, which is it doesn't take away the option of things getting worse; it just takes away the option of things getting better. Yeah. Life, as if you do what these guys are talking about and pursue something you're passionate about and talk to the Lord and try to help people, there's a lot. There's no end to cool stuff to do for the kingdom, to do for yourself. Right. And you, if you get bored, you get listless, you get hopeless, that's all fine. We all get there. We're, some of us, you know, you'll, you'll never fully get over those peaks and valleys, but always, there's always stuff to be excited about. There's always stuff you can do. And just it's important in moments when you're feeling low to keep that in mind and not get so caught up in the harshness of the moment. All right. We're going to move on to our last question here. It came into our Tumblr inbox. It says, I was wondering, what does it mean to do everything to the glory of God? Lee, can you start us off? Yes. And um, I, I don't know. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of guessing here, but I'm, I'm probably not wrong. That, you know, you heard this at a youth group thing, or you read it on a T-shirt. Mm-hmm. Or something like that, and this is this is kind of one of those it's kind of one of those phrases that that youth pastors use a lot, and uh, and I, I don't know. I, I'll tell you some things that it doesn't mean, and then we'll talk about what this word glory means. 
But one thing, here's what it doesn't mean. It doesn't mean that you should expect that that what it means to to walk with Jesus is I'm going to do I'm I'm just going to do this thing sinlessly. I'm going to be sinless because that's what God is like. He's just if I if I'm going to glorify God, then I'm just going to my the whole goal is I'm going to stop sinning. Um, that's a bad goal. It's not going to happen. That's not the way the world works. It's not the way that you work. You're a fallen person in a fallen world. You're going to be sinning until you, as as Glenn has often said, until you're uh, not on the green side of the grass anymore. And so that's not what this is talking about. Actually, to to talk about kind of the boring, um, you know, Bible-y word scholarship stuff, the word glory just means like the manifestation of what something is. To, to to really show the uh, the what something is truly like. That's what it means to glorify. Um, we get caught up in some of these words, and they're in you know they're in worship songs and stuff like that, and we start to get this funky idea with what it with what this means. But to glorify God, if I'm going to glorify God to somebody, what that means is I I'm going to. I'm going to be real about who he is. I'm, I'm going to give you a, a good representation of what God is like. And so when we talk about if we're going to do things to the glory of God, what that means really is I'm going to live in such a way so that you can see who God really is, uh, which means I, I'm, I'm not going to paint a picture of a God who is judging you. I'm not going to paint a picture of a God who's down on you. I'm not going to paint a picture of a God who doesn't want to be around you. I'm not. I'm. I'm going to treat you in such a way that you feel invited into a life with God. That God wants to know you. That 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 God has gone to every lengths to uh, to 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 make to have a relationship with you because He loves you. That to paint a picture of a God who's patient with you. I, I want to be a person who shows you that God is all about love and and acceptance and that and that He has an, a, a different kind of life for you. But to, to glorify God, I, I, I suspect that if you heard this at your youth group, that the, that the thing that you're thinking is, does that mean that the goal of my Christian life is just to really rein in the sin and be sinless? And that's not, that's not where we're going with this thing. It, if we do want to talk about what it looks like to, to live every moment to the glory of God, what that means is we want to give a, people a, an accurate picture of what God is really like, and uh, which, which, you know... It, I can't be sinless. I'm going to be sinning the whole time. But if you hang out with me and we talk about the God that, that I know and I love, it's going to be about one who, who accepts me in the middle of the truth of who I am and who loves me and, and wants to give me a second chance all the time, every day. Totally, Jed. Um, great question. Uh, Lee gave a great answer. Um, uh, I'd encourage you to do something, which is to not worry about using phrases like that. Um, yeah. Because... Uh, if if you're uh, you know not 150 years old, it doesn't really mean a lot to you. In phrase in the space of that, let's uh, substitute a new phrase. Uh, I want to live a life that matters. I want to uh, live a life that impacts the world for the kingdom of God. And if you want to do everything to the glory of God, then what you want to do is you want to live a life where it takes everything you've got to pull it off. It brings all those constituent pieces together. I'll give you an example. Um, I work for Glenn. Glenn has me produce a part of my job is Glenn has me produce media to help people who uh, are in need and going through a rough time. Several years ago now, I looked and I said, look, we've got all these young kids, you know, they're 9, 10, 11 in the inner city. Um, They all listen to hip hop and the hip hop they listen to is just the worst stuff in the universe for them. I mean, all every lyrical theme is pointing in the wrong direction. But I want to make some hip hop um, that helps them not join street gangs. That's what I want to do. They need it. It'll have an impact. It'll help them. It'll make a big difference. But then the question is, well, how do you do that? Uh, You don't know how to produce hip hop. You don't know what they need to hear. You don't know how to write the lyrics. You're not a rapper. You don't don't have any of the constituent pieces. So I realize it's going to take everything I've got to pull this off. It's going to take not a portion of my cunning. No, all my cunning. And I think that's the kind of thing that you're looking for, is you're looking for a mission and a purpose that takes everything you've got. takes every gift the Lord's given you, every skill, every talent, requires all of them a maximum warp drive with his strength um, uh, driving the whole thing in order to make a difference for the kingdom. I think if you're, if you're doing that, you are absolutely doing everything to the glory of God. Absolutely. Glenn? Yeah, I think if, uh, if we're going to 
uh, talk about uh, uh, this word glory uh, to to deepen the Bible nerditude. Uh, <laughs> that's uh, in the Greek. That's doxa, and and it it actually is a cool word uh, because um, it it evokes uh, this idea of uh, you know. Uh, eliciting a positive opinion of others but it also evokes uh, the word sort of implies that there's something meaningful and heavy and weighty and important about that thing that we do that elicits that good opinion it's not a trick it's not a gimmick it's not a billboard it's not a slogan it's not a t-shirt it's not a bumper sticker uh, that is not what doxa is. It's not, we don't, there, there's no glory to be uh, had in any of those things because they don't have the weight, they don't have the gravity uh, uh, that all those other things have. We're very fixated on the idea of controlling those kinds of things. Uh, when we do ministry in the inner city, when we do ministry on uh, the prison deck, you know, we have to, focus on uh, what sort of reputation are we establishing for ourselves, but also what are we saying about God there Mm -hmm. when when we're there? Because they believe that they receive us as an ambassador of Christ in a very literal sense. And they're expecting us to make a case where here's what God has to say. Um, So we're, we're looking to evoke that good opinion, not only of ourselves, but of, of God by extension. And we need to know what gives us that credibility, what gives that positive, uh, positive uh, opinion. Because here's what I, I'd like to share with you about that. And I'm, I, I don't in any way say this to be negative. We just need to know the score. The church, as the church, does almost nothing with that. Yeah. In other words, they're, the, the way the church operates is they say, hey, uh, this is an official Presbyterian church because the Presbyterian uh, or denomination said that's an official church. That's it. The world doesn't have a vote in that. Yeah. The community doesn't have a vote in that. It it it's not that it, it's a denomination that that does that. The pastor is the official pastor of that church based on his educational qualifications and uh, based on the congregation voting him in. The community doesn't have a vote in that. They don't have a say so in that. He's just he's just it. If you don't like it, that's tough. You know, that's there's nothing to that. So within the church, there isn't any sense of building credibility, earning the right to be heard, working anything out. You you just get what you get. But when you leave those four the four walls of that church and you want to do ministry out there, none of that counts for anything. Yeah. None of that means anything. So if if we're talking about uh, bringing uh, glory to the Lord and, and establishing a good reputation and and showing people uh, God's glory here on earth by the way that we carry ourselves, we need to know what conveys that positive uh, uh, reputation to others. Jesus gave us a very, 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 very direct word on that over and over and over and over again. And he said, it's the way that you treat the poor. It's yep. the way that you pe- treat people who are foreigners from other nations. It's the way that you treat widows and orphans. That is how you establish your credibility. That's how you show people how you are. Yes, you need to uh, avoid certain uh, sin, obvious sins. Yes, you need to get out of the way of greed. Yes, you need to watch what how big your building is and what sort of a message that is sending. But it's about doing positive things that earn that reputation. So hopefully that gives you a, a more of a sense of uh, how that stuff actually works. That's absolutely right. One thing I'd add on the end of this, and this is just a larger uh, concept when you're hearing Christian stuff, as I'll put it out. If you hear someone say, this is actually goes outside of Christian, even politics, or if you hear somebody say a phrase over and over and over again, Without explaining it, you still can't figure out what it means. It doesn't mean anything. <laughs> That's definitely true. It's just a series of words they've started out because it sounds good. Kind of like good Christian values. That doesn't mean anything. Yeah. 
Lord, we just want your presence to be in this moment at the hedge of the thing. That doesn't mean anything. That dude's just saying those words because he thinks they sound super Christian and no one will call him out because it's a white suburban church and we're all going to be polite. Yeah. Yeah. So that's not a failing on your part. That's a failing on that guy's part. If you've listened to an hour sermon from someone and you don't know what the phrase they're using means, they messed up. You didn't mess up. It's okay. You did the right thing by emailing us then. And if you do... You know, always you can feel free to ask us on the blogs and the podcasts, or you can, as we talked about before, go to kind of Bible Hub or a Bible Gateway and look it up for yourself, and you might find something really cool. And the fun part about this whole uh, Christian thing is that you've got just as much uh, likelihood of coming up with a really cool revelation about what this means as that dude up there does, because that's kind of the way the whole Holy Spirit thing works. And uh, that is part of uh, doing everything in the glory of God, is asking him about everything. Yes. That's part of the fun. That's part of the adventure. All right, if you have a question for us, say that podcast at gmail.com or thebridgechicago.tumblr.com. Missionusa.com slash bridgebox. You can sign up. $8 a month. Lots of cool stuff. Support urban ministry. Sign up for the Lee Younger flavor at missionusa.com slash bbly. Check out our other podcast. The Bridge comes out every Monday. The Bridge Loud comes out every Friday. Thanks for listening. Just remember, we love you. God loves you. There's nothing you can do about it. The Say That Podcast, it's like Frank Sinatra. <laughs> <laughs> oh. <laughs>